we would like to sign a contract. Please just let us sign our contract. We would like to sign a contract. Oh, where, oh, where is our contract? I'm sure it's fine, but I it was lagging for a second, so... I wasn't sure. Oh, because <laughs> we definitely didn't do any of those claps at the same time. But I'm sure you can splice them together. It's pretty self-explanatory. Especially now that we're recording after we randomly talked for over an hour because we haven't seen each other in golly knows how long at this point. I've lost track. Yep. I've it's lost track. Time. It's what, like three months? Uh-huh. Forever and ever and ever. So hi, everybody. Hi, guys. Crickets. It is a little odd coming back to a comedy podcast after all the things that have happened in the United States in the last, what, two weeks? Three weeks? Yes. And everything that is still very much actively going um, on right we now. We did not post an episode last week out of respect for the unrest in our country. And we thought it would be more respectful of us to take a moment of silence, educate ourselves, and acknowledge the issues with racism in our country as opposed to just skimming over it and pretending like racism doesn't exist. Because racism does exist, and it's something that we're going to have to come together as a whole community, as a country, and as a globe to change. Instead of an episode, I posted a list of resources on racism and white privilege that can be used to educate yourself as well as children, since I haven't seen a ton of resources for explaining racism to kids. And you can find this on our Instagram. I even recommend some of the kids' books for adults as they really do shine a light on Black Lives in America and how we can all work on being better. We are going to be highlighting some Black creators for the foreseeable future, specifically podcast creators. And guys, I can't tell you how many awesome podcasts I found in like five seconds out there that I didn't even know existed until people were sharing them through Instagram. So I have a list of new things to listen to that are pretty awesome. But the one I want to share with you guys today is For All Nerds podcast. Um, I actually found this just kind of scrolling through Instagram. Um, someone had posted their podcast as a recommendation to listen to. And so I went and kind of looked through their stuff and was looking through their Instagram stories, and one of their hosts, Tatiana, was giving a really powerful statement on the current and past times of racism in America. I was like, I gotta, I gotta hear more about what these guys have to say. I'm gonna actually read you their description of their podcast, 
because I really don't think I can say it better than the way that they have already described it. So the four all nerds show are the multicultural maestros. For All Nerds discusses the week in geek while keeping an ear to the street for the topics and controversies that affect the world of fandom, all from the perspective of people of color. Show hosts DJ Benjamin, Tatiana King-Jones, and Jeff J. serve as the cultural guides for this unique show, along with a revolving cast of guests that run the gamut of industries, from hip-hop and politics to comics, movies, television, and video games. So I don't typically listen to a lot of fandom podcasts. Um, I'm so behind on movies and comic books and all of that part of our cosplaying convention culture that I'm usually completely lost when it comes to listening to fandom style podcasts. However, this podcast is just really well done in general. The dynamic between the hosts is excellent. They make you feel excited. They make you feel engaged. You feel like you're sitting with them having like a fun conversation at a convention. They split it up into different sections, which makes it pretty unique, including a section where they discuss emails that they get from listeners, which are super entertaining. I'm actually surprised it took this long to find this podcast. It's been around since 2015. They definitely have their shit together and are worth a listen. I am going to highly encourage you, um, especially if you're white, to listen to their most recent two episodes. So they did an episode on John Boyega, who, if you don't know, look it up. And read the words that he had to say. I want you to go listen to that episode and stick with the first 10 minutes. You are probably going to be uncomfortable. But you should really sit with that discomfort and listen to what they have to say. It's hard to describe the honesty and emotion that comes from these these episodes that they have posted and I cannot do them justice so I just encourage you to go and listen and hear their words I couldn't say it better as somebody that got to listen to a lot of the John Boyega speech that he gave at the rally yeah I wouldn't even try to summarize that I would I would tell you and go listen to what they have to say specifically and what he had to say specifically because from where I am and my point of view I couldn't do it justice personally but it's very moving but I'm definitely gonna think I'm gonna stick with this podcast they're really enjoyable speaking of the cosplay community and the convention community who's noticed that suddenly out of the woodwork Conventions now want to have POC cosplay guests. Why ever would they suddenly be wanting to consider that just out of the blue when they were never doing the effort to have it before? Gasp! Gasp. You know what else I would like to see? POC industry guests. More POC musicians, voice actors directors, 
writers. Well, and that's the thing that irks me a little bit about what the cons are are doing is, you know, they're asking for cosplay guest recommendations specifically. Well, part of the reason for that is because cosplay guests are the cheapest guests you can get. Yes. <laughs> like, it's... Ask for all guests. Yes. So we are going to talk primarily about cosplay guesting, but anything we talk about will also apply to the things that you can do to get regular industry guests and not just cosplay guests. So definitely encourage that and continue to push it and make them put their money where their mouth is. If they really, really want to have a nice, diverse guest lineup, make them prove it to you and make them show that support. Well, to and the getting community. a cosplay guest spot is not as simple as you may think it is. Um, and we're going to kind of talk about all the different steps that you go through trying to get a guesting and what that kind of ends up looking like. So you have an idea of both how to help yourself get a guesting spot, but also how to help others get a guesting spot. Because in the end, the cons want to hire who their attendees want to see. Because ultimately, for them, it's about the money. So if you as an attendee want to see somebody specifically, and you tell them that, the more people that request, the more likely they're to go, hmm, maybe this is a good idea and we'll bring in extra revenue. Cons don't tend to put a lot of value on cosplay guests is they don't equate them with bringing in the cash. Which, frankly, is true in a lot of cases. I mean, unless you're a Cam We Cosplay or Leon Chiro or one of the really big names, people probably aren't going to come to the convention just to see you. It's just how it is. It's the reality of how the industry works. So because there's not that monetary value put on cosplay guests, it can be more difficult to get responses from conventions. And it becomes 10 times more important that the community try to help that cosplayer get in as a guest because it shows the con that the attendees want to spend money to see this person. Yes. And you still have a lot of conventions that don't do cosplay guests at all because they put such a low value on cosplayers and cosplay personalities as a type of guest where they're not willing to spend money on them. So the more community support that you can get for your potential cosplay guests, the more likely it's going to happen. And you might even spur them to maybe have a con that has never had cosplay guests in the past. Go ahead and start doing that going forward in order to better support the community. So now conventions don't typically go looking for cosplay guests. They typically will take people that are either submitted or that they already know within their circle. You know, since cosplay guests aren't typically a priority, the cons usually aren't going to spend their time coming and looking for you, which means that you, the cosplayer, and you, the attendees, are going to have to put the effort in to get through the door. 
Why, yes, that does sound like they're making you do all, all of their work for them. Now, this isn't all cons. It's just what our experience has typically been with conventions. And part of that reason is that a lot of cons will already have a network of trusted cosplayers and people that they already know will do a good job. It's a risk for a con to hire someone they don't know. Organizers from cons and cosplay competitions and departments go to a lot of other events and do a lot of networking with other people, which is why a lot of times you'll see the same people from event to event to event. So if I see a particular cosplayer and I know that they do a good job with attendees and with panels and judging and they have a very personable personality where people want to go talk to them, maybe they have a table that's always full when they're there, I'm going to know that that person is probably a reliable person because of what I've witnessed at this other show. So unfortunately, that also means it's a lot harder for new people to break into the door to begin with and kind of get their foot in to be able to prove to them to say, hey, I can do that too. It's more dependable, less of a risk. It is easier for them and... You know, most conventions are not run by people that do this full time. So, you know, I don't want it to come off like we're bashing how cons are doing this. It definitely makes sense the route that they are going because it's safe and you want to protect your business and it makes sense. You know, it's kind of the same as how you basically get a job nowadays. You have to know someone. I mean, that's how I got the job I currently have. Someone I know called me and said this job is available. Like, that's the way that our system works as a whole now. Like, just randomly applying into the ether doesn't always work. That's how I ended up with the job that I have now, is that I was told about it. And, well, the company that I work for now... I was told about an opening there. I was mildly coached on some things that I should probably do, um, given some advice going forward on how to handle the interview, um, because it's kind of an odd interview structure, and got my foot in the door. And only then, after I worked hard for several years, I was able to kind of move up. And it's the same way with guesting, is... Getting your foot in that door might take some networking, um, and then you might be able to expand your horizons from there. But again, for anybody new on the outside, if you don't have that in to begin with, it's a little bit more difficult. It took us five years to get to the point that we are today, and we would be considered what I like to call middle-of-the-road cosplay guests, where... We're at the point where we tend to get all our expenses covered, but we don't actually make any money. And in most cases, we do end up in the red still. But that took five years, and that took many, many years of doing small one-day free gigs to build a resume and to build a relationship with the community so that other conventions would hire us. So unfortunately... You're not going to be able to jump from zero to 60 and be getting flown to Europe with all expense paid trip 
to a convention, you're going to have to start at the bottom and work your way through. I know that a lot of people would really like to skip that and would like to be paid from the get-go, but in most cases, that's not going to be the route you're going to be able to go. There are some cosplayers that have been able to skip that step of doing the free one-day events, but they are few and far between because we are going to be talking about what the most common guest experience is and not the more cost-famous, super-popular, professional cosplayers. So those cosplayers who make their living off of cosplay, that isn't the type of guesting that we're discussing today. It somewhat reminds me of this comic that we had cut out and kept on the fridge. And essentially the premise is the road to success is a long one, but there's very little traffic because most people seem to think there's a shortcut. <laughs> no. <laughs> for for the majority of us, um, we will cap out at middle of the road, and that is where most cosplay guests will sit. It's just kind of how it rolls. You're typically going to stay in that spot. Most of the people that make money off of guesting have tables. So that's where they're actually getting their money from is a product in which they sell. Be aware that if your first go-to is prints, you're probably going to barely make your money back for a while. Prints don't tend to sell all that great unless you are more like a model cosplayer. So just be cognizant that you may not make a lot of money even if you are given a table right off the bat. And we're okay with being mid-tier because I don't want this to be my full-time job. I have a great time going to cons and I have a great time doing programming and judging and talking to people about cosplay and their passions and their costumes and their plans and their dreams. And I love all of that, but I have a day job and that's what pays my bills. So I don't, I don't need this to be my day job. We are totally content with this being a side gig. So, you know, that isn't our goal. And maybe at some point we'll have someone come on who can talk more about that professional cosplayer level. So if you want to be helpful to a cosplayer, a lot of conventions will have a guest requesting form or an email that you can submit to. Please ask the cosplayer, by the way, before you submit them, if they don't typically do appearances, because contrary to popular belief, not all cosplayers want to be cosplay guests. A lot of people are not socially ready for that much attention, necessarily, even if they're fairly popular online. Some people don't want that one-on-one personal interaction, so if they don't have cosplay appearances posted on their social media or their website or whatever they may have as far as their online presence is, ask them first before you just start blindly submitting them to all the events that you go to. Well, and if they don't have a guest request form, a lot of times there's an email. You can try Facebook Messenger because we've had some luck there with a few cons, Um, particularly conventions that aren't very responsive through email will sometimes be extremely responsive through Facebook Messenger. 
You could also try not only the general contact email, if there is one, or general contact form, if they have emails for their cosplay department specifically, or their guesting department specifically listed, you can contact them. If they have masquerade contest info, if this is some place that you would like to judge at, or perhaps suggest a judge for, you could try contacting their cosplay contest director directly and see if they can kind of push it through. And you could do all of those avenues at once and just kind of throw everything at the wall and see where it sticks. That's how this works, guys. You're basically going to throw your information into the ether and see if anything lands. You might get a lot of non-responses and you might get some no's, but if you don't try at all... Oh yeah, nine times out of ten, they're not going to respond to you at all. Kind of like when you apply for a job. At all. <laughs> you're just never going to nope. get a response. You will not get a nice rejection you're letter. You're not going to know if they got your email. And it's kind of up to you to decide whether you want to do a follow-up or just let it kind of fall into the into the ether of, of nothing. I do want to put out a little warning um, because I've seen this a couple times right now. Just a little FYI. Make sure... You research a convention before you accept a guesting spot. You want to make sure that a con aligns with like your values and your morals and your beliefs. You need to do your research and make sure that that is a convention you want to support because there are unfortunately quite a few conventions in the united states that have some cd dealings all over the united states the other thing you could consider doing is contact maybe some other people who have gone there before whether those are attendees dealers artists other guests and see what their experiences were even if they didn't have dealings with that specific department that you're going to be dealing with it might give you an overall idea of how the company culture runs for that organization and maybe give you a little bit more insight in what to expect, how professional they might be if they have everything that they said that they were going to have as far as they're part of the deal, they're part of the contract for their vendor booths or their guesting gigs all ready to go or if somebody showed up and the room wasn't reserved in their name or anything in between. I mean, at I least mean, if you're going to accept it, but you know ahead of time that things may be a little chaotic, at least you're prepared. And you can take extra steps to hopefully mitigate any potential issues. But ultimately, whether or not you accept such a gig is going to be up to you. Um, but do do your research on the events and the people that run them ahead of time, just to make sure that that's something you're willing to associate yourself with. So a lot of people will ask us, what does it look like when you guest for a convention? It looks like work. It looks um, like work. There is this misconception that a cosplay guest literally just runs around con in a costume all day and that you're paid to run around in a costume. And that is so far from the truth. Gosh. There's some days that we're doing cosplay guest things that we're not even in cosplay most, most of the, of the day. We're, we're not. And it's gotten... So the the nice part is, as you move your way up the ladder, you get more control over your contract, and you have more control over the amount of work that you end up doing. 
Learn, learn from our mistakes, friends. Please learn from our mistakes. Do not do 13 conventions in one year where the majority of them are not paying you. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do five or six panels, a performance, and judge the masquerade for a convention. Oh, come on. You liked it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> that, that was resume building. <laughs> We're like, you know what? It would be great if we do these things and then we can offer them to other places if we do the things. So we can say we've done these panels this many times and we've judged these many times and we've done performance for the cons these many times. And we're like, we want to do all of these things because we love doing all of these things. We do not love doing all of them at once. No. So now <laughs> our, our contract is a little bit more limited and you kind of have to think about what kind of cosplay you want to be as far as what your contract looks like. We tend to go more of the entertainer route with our contracts. And so now typically we will offer two panels and then emceeing or judging. And that will typically be it. If we are emceeing, we may also do a performance. And that's usually our bare bones contract. Yes. Over the course of a yes. three-day con. <laughs> because you want to produce quality, not quantity. So, like, if a con were to hire us just to do panels, then maybe we would do four or five. But we have not yet had that occur. We'd be cool with that if there's anybody out there that wants us to do that. But we try to keep it down to two or three, depending on the size of the convention and the amount of days. Because um, obviously a four-day con, you can offer a little bit more because you have four days to spread your stuff out. You know, we'll be able to offer a little bit more of a concise package because we can offer the live show of the podcast for you guys now. We are able to eat now with the way that our contract is written. <laughs> Eating's important. That was the problem with the way that we used to do it where we might... I think the most that we ever ran in one weekend, in addition to judging and performing, was six panels. And that's just a lot. And you don't have downtime, and you don't get enough sleep, and you don't get enough rest. And it's not just physical. It's mentally draining and vocally draining to speak that much and project because everybody know that sound systems and convention spaces are terrible. So depending on how many people you have in the room, you might be shouting for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending on the length of your particular programming that you're running. And doing that for six to eight hours, depending on how many of those you're doing, plus everything else, it can just be mentally and physically exhausting, especially if you're not having that time to take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, being on all the time is absolutely exhausting. And we love it. We love being on. We love putting out quality programming we love judging we love performing but you can't have too much of a good thing well because the problem is so you're doing a show and performers out there totally understand what we're talking about you're doing your show and you get that like performer high and you go up 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 and the second your show is done you crash <laughs> so when we do the live show it's up 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 crash when we're done when we MC, 
same thing because you're expelling all of this energy and then the second it's over that anxious amped up energy releases and then you need a nappy nap and typically food (laughs) nappy nap and snacky snack so think about having to keep consistently doing that over and over and over and over and over in a weekend well, and the problem when we were doing all these things and not at least getting expenses paid is that we didn't have the energy to expel to actually like get healthy foods right. for ourselves. So we would end up ordering out or buying $8 coffees at the coffee shop or what have you. And it was just really, by the time that you figure in all of those expenses on top of everything else, it was just a lot. Very expensive to work. and you should not necessarily work for free you might have to go bare bones with expenses or maybe you might have to start out with a local event where maybe they comp you some things more of a barter system where they comp you some items in exchange for work but make sure that you find it fair to yourself because If you are working, you deserve to be paid in some fashion for the work that you're putting out. I know that it's exciting to be a guest, but you need to make sure that you're doing what's best for you and not getting blinded by the idea of being a guest. You definitely need to decide what you can afford. And that is different for everyone. One of the big mistakes we made starting out was we accepted gigs that were basically just like badge comps, one like one day badge comps that were not close. So we had to pay for travel expenses. Sometimes we had to pay for staying somewhere. And that really drained our expenses. Definitely try to stick with things closer to where you live. Or by somebody that you know that you can stay with for free to try to offset some of the expense. And before you start, like, sending things out, you kind of need to decide what kind of cosplay guest you want to be because there's actually many different kinds of cosplay guests. Yes, you need to figure out what it is that you are essentially selling yourself as because typically you're not going to get hired as like a jack of all trades for everything for the event they are going to want you for a specific purpose typically what is it that you enjoy doing what is it that you feel like you excel at is there anything in particular that interests you that maybe you haven't done so far but would like additional experience in? You need to keep those types of things in mind and you need to figure out what that's worth to you so that you make sure that you're not unhappy ultimately in the end with whatever agreement that you have. And it is a negotiating process. They always say that if nobody's happy, then everybody's happy. <laughs> The thing is, a lot of cosplayers go in 
thinking that taking the jack of all trades route will be the best way to go because then you can offer all these kind of different things. But the problem is you end up as a master of none. You might be able to dabble in all of these different things, but you're not an expert in any one area, which does not make you a high quality guest, but also makes you really hard to market. And it makes it really hard for you to market your services. You got to figure out what makes you unique. And what are you going to be able to offer a convention that someone else can't? What What's it going to be? You know, do you have a ton of different awards and accolades and expertise in really difficult techniques that most people don't have? Or are you, you know, a model who has done really well using cosplay as your avenue and that's the route you're going to go? You know, are you a fabricator who has their own shop who specializes in props and armor fabrication? Like, you got to decide where your strongest attribute is and try to foster that rather than trying to have your hand in all the different pots. And all of these types of cosplay guests are valid. So there's not one particular right way to do it. You just need to find out what you enjoy doing, what you can do well. That'll help you to then sell that because essentially when you're asking for a guesting spot, it's very much a job interview and you are selling yourself. You and are the products and services that you are trying to sell to the convention, whether it's a for-profit con, a not-for-profit, a school run, a local club, just a group of people that hang out on the weekends and thought it'd be great to put an event together in their small hometown, whatever it might happen to be. So you need to figure out how to best market yourself and sell yourself because essentially that's what you are. You want to be, you know, the the couture brand and not the Walmart of cosplay. And this may take you a while to figure out because we started out trying to do the whole jack of all trades thing. And that is typically how people start out. And then as you start to hone your skills, you figure out where your value is. You know, while we were doing panels and then we were being asked to do performances, we found that a large portion of our value lied in entertainment. We basically don't do crafting panels anymore because there's a ton of those out there. Not unless we're specifically asked. We're still willing to do them. We still enjoy doing them. However, other people can also do crafting panels. Other people might not necessarily be able to do cosplay-related entertainment panels in the same fashion that we do. And so that's just our little corner of the world that we decided that we wanted to focus on. And it'll be different for you. It'll be different for everybody. And there is no right or wrong answer. I don't really think there's one that's easier than another either. Um, I think they all have their ups and downs and their challenges. But it's... Yeah, a lot about figuring out what you're passionate about, and in the end, what is going to bring you the most joy. The other problem that I noticed about when we still kind of used to market as a jack of all trades is that we would be expected to do 
all of the things and not necessarily pick and choose. So they'll be like, well, you guys can do all of these, so you should just do all of them. We used to. And then eventually we got to the point where we're like, no, that's too much work. That is too much for what we are getting compensated, and it's not worth it. Yeah, that is the downside, is then you'll be asked to do literally everything in Awana. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't want to. So one of the things that will help you when you're submitting to guest is making a media sheet. So this is like a one-page highlight of the services that you can provide. This is your one-page resume. Easy to look at. Have a few photos on it. You want to make sure it's well-written. You know, have some people look it over. But you're going to want to highlight all those services that you can provide. You're also going to want to have some sort of paragraph that you send in the email that kind of gives the convention some of your background and highlights your services in slightly different ways. So kind of like a cover letter. Basically, this is how to get a job 101. (laughs) Yes. So you want your cover letter to be compelling enough that they look at your resume to begin with. So you need to make sure that that blurb that you're putting in your email is catchy enough where it makes them want to open your media sheet and look at your resume. This even goes down to, like, the subject line. Like, if you just put cosplay guest inquiry, they're probably never going to open it. You need to get creative. Sometimes I will put, like, entertainer, cosplayers, podcasters, oh my, just to see if I can get them to open it. Like... It's all about trying to entice someone to look at your work. And honestly, if you are struggling with this, the best thing you can do is look up the kind of basic structure for how to write a cover letter and how to send a cover letter email because those catchy phrases and headlines are all going to be included in those kind of instructional subsets. And you can have other people that do guesting look at your stuff. Most of the guests that we know are very, very willing to assist other people in kind of perfecting and honing their own marketing of themselves. I mean, you're welcome to holler at us. And when we can, we're happy to get to it. One of the best resources I found on Facebook is actually a group called Cosplay Marketing. And it's full of people that either have attended as guests or currently attend as guests and some people that want to attend as guests. And it's all about marketing yourself. And it's not necessarily just for guesting. Some people also use it for cosplay-related shops or their photography, modeling websites, things like of that nature. Things of that nature. So it's a good mix of people um, who are typically fairly helpful. So you could always check them out too and use a search function. That's like Facebook group rule 101. Use a search function, see if your question has been asked before, but, and read the rules. Just like we tell you with competitions, read the rules. It's rule number one. (laughs) But they're a really great group of people and you'll probably be able to learn a lot from them. Well, and I totally get the 
excitement about wanting to become a guest, but if you sit down and you take all this information and you look at it and you're like, wow, I can't think of that one thing that I should focus on, you may want to give yourself some more time. There's no rush to becoming a cosplay guest. It's not like, oh, I've been cosplaying for three years. I need to be a guest now. Like, there's no time stamp. Guys, we're old, and we just started guesting five years ago, and we've been doing this for 20 years. And there are some people that will go their entire cosplay career and not want to be a guest, and that's fine. It's not a requirement. There's no, like, special merit badge that you get for your cosplay sash that says, I was a cosplay guest. You're not winning cosplay if you become a guest. No, it really doesn't make that big of a difference in in the grand scheme of things. I mean, yeah, it's it's a job. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's a job. Um, but if it's a job that you think you would enjoy doing, I do find it very worthwhile. And we're just we're being honest about how much work it is because we want all of you to understand what guesting is really like. Because there is that rose-colored glasses kind of outlook on it. And we want you guys to know what you're getting into before you submit to a con and you sign a contract. Because now you're stuck. But we wouldn't have continued to keep doing this for five years if it wasn't worth it. But that means that it's worth it to us. And what we are doing right now is worth it to us. Ultimately, you need to look at your own situation and what the events might be willing to offer you for the amount of work that you provide and see if you would consider that worth it to yourself. I mean, we love being with attendees and performing and being able to share our knowledge with you. And that's why we try to guest at cons because we like being involved with the community and making those relationships and just trying to take those 20 years and now guide the new children along in their cosplay journey because we are totally con moms. We are definitely, <laughs> we are so definitely con moms. Con moms. It's not even funny. I am the person during the contest that will feed you. I even think just even back to our last contest, remember... When we were sitting next to that nice couple and he was so hungry and I gave him all the jerky. <laughs> yes. I will. If you find me at a contest, guys, I will have food. Please come to me. I will feed you. There will likely be food and f- quick fixes and over-the-counter pain remedies. Probably Because <laughs> I usually hand that out too. <laughs> a little bit of everything. There's usually a little bit of everything. And if there's not it there, we can usually find yes, somebody that has it. we've done this for long enough that we typically have an emergency kit. I feel like we kind of have like a cosplay PTA <laughs> where you're like, well, I don't have it, but so-and-so will. We... It's, it's in my purse somewhere. I mean, man, now I miss all you attendees. I can't wait till we can be back with you again. To be fair, she missed you before. I she do. just hadn't said it. I do. <laughs> I know. That's going to be the really sad part about 2020 in general 
is that we might not get to see anyone because well, everything is canceled. Chat with all of you on Twitch, which we are still waiting on Anime Iowa. But I think, regardless of whether AI has us do it officially with them or not, we'll probably look into doing a show in July or August because we yeah. miss all of you and we want to chat with you guys again because that was a really good time. <laughs> all of these tips also apply in the event. That you would like to see us guest at a convention. I stopped submitting for 2020 cons, like, back in April. Everything is canceled. <laughs> and don't forget to submit your black and POC cosplayers. Because we need to hold these cons accountable. Make them put their money where their mouth is. And actually continue to hire these guests year after year that's only going to happen with your support though the conventions are going to lose interest just as quickly as they gained it so make sure that you hold them accountable and keep suggesting black and poc cosplayers and other industry professionals there's also a loophole we forgot to mention guys sometimes there will be categories that aren't cosplay that are good to submit people to if they fit into those categories. So cosplay is probably the category that gets the most submissions. But let's say your cosplay guest is also a singer. You might be able to submit them under entertainment. Say your cosplay guests also have a podcast. You might be able to submit them under podcasters. So sometimes there are some other options as well besides cosplay to get people in the door. You just have to kind of think outside the box. Um, artist is another one too. So if they happen to do other artwork besides cosplay, you might be able to submit them through that avenue as well. And there's nothing that says that you can't submit them for both. If they've got one of those guesting forms and they check more than one box, go ahead and have them submit for both. And get your friends to do it too. It's going to take a group effort to make that happen. If one person is asking, I mean, they might look at it, but if 10, 15, 20 people, I know a bunch of you have hundreds of people on your friends list. Put a call to action out and say, hey, I want to get this person as a guest at this event. Let's make that happen. Get your friends together. Use your powers for good. But you will unfortunately probably have to use your powers for 2021. <laughs> but use your powers for 2021 and 2022 and 2023. Just because they do it the one time doesn't mean that you need to stop putting that extra effort in. So this is our call to action for you guys you want to support the cosplayers, whoever your favorite is, especially, especially if they are Black or POC. You need to make sure that you are showing them that support directly to the convention. After the convention, if they go through with it and in 2021 they have those guests at your request, make sure you fill out the feedback information, whether it's a survey or a form or just an email or a Facebook message and say, hey, I loved having this person here and this is why. Please continue to have 
guests of this caliber in the future. And you are more likely to succeed and getting the types of diverse guests and that you want And cosplay guests that are already out there use your power for good. Use your relationship with a convention to see if you can help someone else get in the door. I have already done this. That's how networking works, guys. Like, you know someone who you think would be good for this convention. Recommend them to the convention because if the cons already worked with you, they're going to be more likely to take a look at that person. If you are already guessing at an event and say that you happen to notice that they haven't filled all their judging slots yet, you could say, hey, I think it would be a really great idea if you invited XYZ cosplayer because of these reasons. And if one of those reasons happens to be that you could diversify your judging panel, so be it. But go ahead and list their accolades. Go ahead and talk about the techniques that they're really good at and how that would complement the techniques that you're bringing to the table and how you'd make a really great team if you all work together. So you can use your powers for good to sell them just as much as they sell themselves. With our powers combined, Captain Cosplay? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, guys, I really do hope that, you know, in the coming future, we do see a lot more diversity in the representation of the community, both as judges and guests. Our episode next weekend will actually be all about becoming a judge because that is also a great way to diversify a convention. All of you other competition yes, junkies. Like we're we bringing are. you a competition episode. What? What? <laughs> what? We miss you guys. Um, like Elle said, we, uh, we definitely miss getting to see you in person. So hopefully we'll get to chat on Twitch soon. I'm Elle. I'm Ashland. And this is Shit Cosplay Guests, like to say. (laughs) You've been listening to Shit Cosplayers Say, an LVC production. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PodcastSCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story? Absurd cosplay question? Or just something in general to share with us? Email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.